0: in the pool or on the go. You have until the end of May to send in your entries and we'll announce the lucky winner on June 3rd. Don't miss out on this splashy opportunity brought to you by Tar Heel Construction Group. Dive into our episodes and win big. According to the CDC, a disability is any condition of the body or mind that makes it more difficult for the person with the condition to do certain activities and interact the world around them. Think about that for a minute. A disability is any condition of the body or mind, such as impairment, that makes it more difficult for the person with the condition to do certain activities and interact with the world around them. Now, for those of you that listen to the show, you've heard me talk about my cousin that had Down syndrome and a lot of friends that uh, also uh, have Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, a lot of other things. And a lot of people think those are disabilities. And in a way, yes, they are. But the more and more I thought about it, especially after that definition by the CDC, don't we all have disabilities? I mean, you think about, all right, what about if you go out drinking? You get drunk. It's making it more difficult for you to, you know, do certain activities. Or if you just have a case of total rage. You know, people don't want to be around you. They don't want to do things with you. So the way I look at it, we all have disabilities. And a lot of these people, God, especially with Down syndrome and cerebral palsy, we can learn a lot from them, because if I don't know any of you that have been to the Special Olympics or part, you know, be, we're a hugger or whatever, but just doing that, I I learned a lot, and to me, the way I look at it, nobody has disabilities; we're all the same. We can learn a lot from each other. Well, on this episode of Harford County Living with Rich Bennett, I had the pleasure to sit down with Sherry Nolte of the Harford Center. Stay tuned. Now, before we get started, I just want to thank everybody that uh, has reached out to me and congratulated me. For those of you that don't know, um, May was Maryland Podcast Month. And there was the Maryland podcast awards and I actually won for best host and Hartford County living with Rich Bennett won for the best podcast of the year. So I want to thank everybody. And I especially want to thank all of my sponsors Uh, because if it wasn't for my sponsors, I wouldn't be able to do this and I've actually had, several businesses reach out to me and ask me about sponsorship so just to give you an idea i have four levels of sponsorship Gunpowder level which only starts at like a little over a dollar seventy a day and that features a lot the sponsorship has just to give you an idea your logo in the sponsor section of the website with a link to your website of course a text ad um, you get to share all your Facebook posts to the Hartford County Living Group page. Uh, you're also featured as Business of the Week. Um, you're also a sponsor of the Hartford County Living with Rich Bennett podcast. I guess I could say award-winning podcast now. So, th- I mean, that's the lowest level for, for what, a little over a seventy a day. The highest level, the Ch- Chesapeake level, you get all of that. But it's also exclusive to your business category. Just to give you an idea, Freedom Federal Credit Union is a financial institution. They are a Chesapeake-level sponsor. That means no other financial institution can be a sponsor. Uh, Tar Heel, Tar Heel Construction Group is another Chesapeake-level sponsor. They are a contractor that does exterior. So it's roofing, siding, windows. That means another company that does that cannot become a sponsor so they get everything i mentioned before but it's also exclusive they also get a facebook cover photo sponsorship on our page for a month Um, they also are featured as business of the week more than once at least at least twice they get a leaderboard banner ad or a sidebar banner ad on the website they get a sidebar portrait banner ad on the website Um, They're a sponsor of the Harford County Living with Rich Bennett podcast at least four times. They get an ad in the monthly newsletter, a boosted social media post, a sponsored article or post on the website. Uh, They get to share their website content or articles on our website monthly. And there's just so many other extras that I throw in there. Now, all of that for only a little over $17 a day. So... There you go. I mean, that's that's the lowest and the highest. And then there's ones in between. So if you want to become a sponsor of Harford County Living, which also includes the podcast, Harford County Living with Rich Bennett, just contact me. Email me at rbennett, that's B-E-N-N-E-T-T, at com, Or you can just go to the website, com and click the Contact Us page. And it's very simple. So, again... If you want to reach more people for less, this is the way to do it. Welcome to Harford County Living with Rich Bennett, coming to you from the Freedom Federal Credit Union studios. Each week you'll hear interesting interviews, commentary, discussions, storytelling, and more. Here's your host, Marine Corps veteran, professional DJ, entrepreneur, podcaster, and my father, Rich Bennett. I'd like to welcome everybody to Harford County, living with Rich Bennett. I have a young lady on with me today. Who actually, funny story. She actually used to work with my niece, and uh, the name sound the last name when I first saw it, it sounded familiar. And I didn't ask you this before we started, so I'll, I'll ask you in a little bit. But we have Sherry Nolte, who is the executive director with the Harford Center. So first of all, welcome. Sherry, it's great that you know I could actually get you on and talk about you and the Harford Center.
1: Rich, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and excited to to share my journey, my story, and um just really appreciate it.
0: So the first question I'm going to get out of the way because I have a funny feeling you're not related, but I'm going to I got to ask because it's been you have me. to
1: it's the Jeff, question. Yeah, Jeff Nolte,
0: any relation?
1: Oh, Joe, I thought you were going to ask me about the other Nick Nolte. So Nick Nolte
0: <laughs> is a no. You said Nick so, is a no or Jeff is
1: a Nick, no? Nick is a no and I don't know who Jeff is. So and <laughs> this is a, I'm a Nolte by marriage. So I will certainly um you know put the question out to the family and see if anyone knows a Jeff Nolte. Jeff Nolte, if you know us, you know, look, look us up. We're small family and, and our you know, open door here.
0: You know what? Wouldn't that be something that all of a sudden you get a phone call from Nick Nolte? Say, wait a minute. No, we are related, aren't we?
1: Yeah, and he's gonna be asking me for money or something. So
0: now maybe we <laughs> yeah. can cut, cut that part out. So, Sherry, um, God, you've been in the nonprofit world for a while. So tell everybody how you decide about yourself and how you decide to get into the nonprofit world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um I have been in the nonprofit world probably for this is gonna date me a lot. Um over 25 years. So, so since I, you were born. Yeah, exactly. I just right right out of kindergarten, I went right into the nonprofit world. So I appreciate your saying that. um, so I, I knew from very early on, probably since the time I was born, I wanted I was a helper. I was born as a helper, and I wanted to do something um, to give back. So I got my bachelor's degree in psychology from uh, Towson was state then now Towson University, which again dates me. And went on to pursue my master's degree at University of Maryland in social work. And I had no idea of the doors it would open for me. Um, First job, Catholic Charities took a risk on me. And I stayed there for 18 years. I worked in child welfare. I worked uh, overseeing all of their out-of-home placements. So I did foster care, detention diversion, mobile crisis. Um, So my my background really is in child welfare and trauma-based services. What was that and detention? What? Detention diversion. Actually, that's an interesting story, a Harford County story that started with um, a local judge, Judge Carr. Oh, yes. And yeah, yeah. So Judge Carr is certainly a champion of Harford mm-hmm. County. When Judge Carr sees a need, he finds someone to fill it. And basically he was seeing youth after youth after youth um, getting into trouble in Hartford County. Right. Mainly around parental supervision issues. So, hmm, yeah, so kind of a, a delicate situation. He had these kids coming into court, and a lot of these kids had, you know, intact, committed families, but were working really hard and not always there to provide supervision or appropriate supervision. Maybe that parental-child relationship got a little too casual. Yeah. Yeah, so kids were not getting the structure that, that particularly teenagers need. Right. So these kids were committing crimes, whether it be drugs or theft or whatever. So rather than place these children in jail, juvenile detention, we put them in structured foster homes. And at the same time, while we were teaching these kids to be kids and follow rules, we were helping the parents learn how to reparent. It was groundbreaking. And it was called Task. Awesome. It was called Therapeutic Alternative Shelter Care. Um, and it was, it was truly groundbreaking and one of a kind in Maryland. And uh, Judge Carr came up with the idea. I developed the programming for it. We found the funding. And um, in partnership with the state of Maryland and Harford County, we created about four families to basically divert kids from going into jail. Because we knew once they landed in jail... The path was set. Right. And we found a tremendous success in this program and it ran for a number of years. I believe when I because I left charities, oh, gosh, 10 years ago now, maybe a little less than that. Um, We still had it still had a program that was running in task. So, and, and again, Judge Carr um, saw a need and got to charities and said, Yep, you're going to have to do this program. And with the respect and partnership that Catholic Charities had always had in Hartford County, we're like, OK, well, we're going to figure this out. And we found a paradigm, a, a best practice model, and put it into place. And uh, yeah, so that yeah, was. Yeah, do you know was, if that
0: program's still running?
1: I don't think so.
0: Oh, I, I think
1: Catholic Charities, yeah, unfortunately, I know it, it's still needed. It's not yeah. to say it's not, particularly now um but as we talked kind of casually earlier funding priorities change mm-hmm. and in nonprofits yes. unfortunately it's it's dependent on state funding donors grants wherever else the money can come um so
0: yeah that's a shame too
1: yeah cuz yeah.
0: especially nowadays cuz it, it seems to me from what i've seen more parents are too many parents i want to say are trying to be friends to their kids instead Mm -hmm. of parents.
1: And that's what we really saw. And I think it's interesting because you see that generational shift. You had that really strict generation that raised kids. And then you have these parents coming out, these really strict parents who are like, oh, we're not going to be like our parents. And the the pendulum swung. Yes. Unfortunately, it swung way too far. So you have these kids and children Really do want structure. Teenagers—they're never going to say it—but they really do want structure, boundary limits. It is a teenager's job to push the limits. It's their job, you know. That's, we did it. We did it. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And it's a parent's job to say, "Here's the limits. You can yeah. butt up against that limit, but you there's a limit." But unfortunately, the parents were—you know—it's more important that they like me. That—that that was the value. I, I need to be liked. I need to be loved. I need to be your pal. I need to be.
0: You know what? And it's sad because with that, you see, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons you don't see kids respect their elders as much. I I think too many kids are taught or they think that you should respect them first. And it doesn't work that way. You need to earn that respect.
1: Absolutely.
0: And I was always told you respect your elders and I'll never forget this. I remember as a kid that our neighbor that, our one neighbor that lived behind us. She came walking through the yard, and she—I'm in the backyard playing, and she walked right past me. I didn't say hi or anything. Probably about five minutes went by, and I hear R.D. I'm like, uh-oh. You know, if I heard Richie, I was fine. If I heard Richard, it's like, hmm. but when he said my my mother yelled R.D., I knew I was in trouble. So I went in. And, well, I I go to the front door where my mother is, and she's talking to this lady, and uh, she goes, uh, "Did you see Miss McGovern walk by you?" It's like, mm, "Yeah." She goes, "Well, why didn't you say hi?" I, I don't know. I didn't want to. Oh, yeah. Lord. So, oh yeah, and I I got punished yeah. big for that. And my mother always said, "She goes, you see an adult, especially one that you know." You say hi. You don't wait for them to say hi to you. And uh, I think
1: we can all think of a story from our childhood. I remember my mom talking to another adult, and instead of walking around them, I walked in between them. Oh. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) we all have those stories. And I think, unfortunately, some of that has gone by the wayside. And as parents, maybe we need to find a way to, to help parents come to a middle ground. Yeah. like. It is important to have to have your child feel safe talking to you. and it's important that your child can can make mistakes and be able to recover from them. But at the same time, they have to feel the consequences of those mistakes. And your job as a parent is not to be liked, it's to be respected. and yes. and that's hard. That's really, really hard when you have a generation that um, is just really struggling with its own, sense of self-worth and all kinds of other, you know, you have those layers of family trauma. And that's, that's really where my background was, was in working with families and working with children, teaching foster parents, um, how to parent. Yeah. And, um, it was that's truly, a truly just a, a wonderful experience working at Catholic charities. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I cut my teeth in social work at Catholic charities. I, I learned the nonprofit world fundraising grants, um, and everything that I learned from did everything Charities, there.: I did a lot there. I really did a lot there. I was very, very blessed in my experiences at Catholic Charities and um, have been able to, I worked very briefly at um, the ARC here in Hartford County and was lucky that I had some exposure to working with people with disabilities, which is where I have landed now. I, I work, I'm the executive director at the Hartford Center. And uh, I know we were talking earlier and people are like the Hartford Center. What is, what is that? <laughs> um, and I'll tell you, eight years ago, I had no, I had never heard of it. Really? And, part of, and part of what I said when I interviewed to the board, I said. That has to change. I have to. If you hire me, I'm going to make that change. I'm going to get us a social presence. I'm gonna to talk to whoever will talk to me about the Hartford Center. So when you gave me this invitation, I'm like, absolutely. I I I feel well, so I appreciate that excited about the work we're doing at the Hartford Center. So basically what the Hartford Center is is the largest day hab provider in Hartford County. So wow. the next question is well what's day hab? Yeah that's a nice little colloquial but what is what is a day hab? <laughs> so dayhab is short for day habilitation And basically what that is is we provide support to adults with disabilities. And I don't have one program. I have essentially 150 programs. We program individually wow. for each person we support. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, for Rich, if you were in, you know, a part of, if you were participating at the Harvard Center, we would say, what does Rich need and want to have his most meaningful life? And that is our mission every day is that we bring meaning to everyone's day as they define it.
0: So you're focusing on each individual.
1: Absolutely.
0: Whereas not a, as a, in other words, it's not like a group of them. Cause when you focus on a group, sometimes that individual is it's lost. Yeah. That's, that's great though. That's great. That, it's, I like it's a
1: very that. unique perspective and it really is the focus of working with adults with disabilities. So we have the other thing that makes the Hartford center so unique. Well, a couple things. One is we're only providing care during the day. We don't do any residential care. So we are focused on one thing and doing it well. Right. So instead of providing a lot of different you know, services, we're just doing day hab and support employment. So during the day, people come to us. We pick them up. We have a fleet of um, over 20 vehicles. We pick wow. people up in the community. Some people go right from their homes to their jobs. Some people go right from their homes to um, other places to, to live their best lives, whether it be you know their church or volunteer work or to a social activity. Some come to our locations because we have two sites, one in Habit of Grace right. and one up in Street Maryland. Um, and then we provide programming to help people lead their best lives, increase their skills. Um, a lot of people need care, total care. So one thing that makes us unique, Rich, is that the Hartford center provides day services to people who are incredibly medically dependent and medically needy. So most, most of our staff are licensed um, med techs. So we have people that we have to do tube feedings on and require all kinds of um, one-on-one. So one staff to one participant support. So it's, it's a very intensive service that I think people don't even know that Hartford County is providing.
0: How big's the staff that you have?
1: Before covid, a lot bigger. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was about 80 staff. So, really? um, you know, we're we're a, a mid size nonprofit organization that is probably one of Harford County's most hidden treasures, I think. I mean, I, and yeah. I'm I'm biased and I understand that. Um, but we're providing such incredible quality of life supports.
0: Well, and actually you mentioned COVID. How, how has COVID affected, uh, you know, Harford, the Harford center and the staff, because obviously you don't have 80 people on staff yeah. now, right?
1: No. Well, I think a couple of things we're really proud of. One, we never closed. So right. That's we're, good. One of thir- we're one of 13 day in Maryland that was able to stay open. And we did that because of the, I know. And, and yeah, and there's wow. a lot of, I know. So We did that because of the partnerships we have developed at the Hartford Center. And that's really important to me, is that you you can't operate in a bubble. You have to reach out to people, even people who are doing the same things you are, in order to form coalitions and partnerships and support groups. So we reached out to the residential programs where our folks lived and said, hey, I've got staff. Can you use our staff? Let us provide Dayhab in the homes, the programming we did in the center. Let us bring it to your homes so my staff can stay employed and people have some continuity. Right. And right. a lot of the providers were like absolutely. Absolutely. That's let's great. let's make And there was nothing that existed like this. Like how could we use your staff? I mean, that's you all that territorial stuff that normally exists between businesses? Yeah. All that melted and it was just that is just so Hartford County. You know, yeah. that is just Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That is just so Hartford County where small town, let's come together, let's make this work. We also provided supports in families' homes, which we had never done, where we took staff and we said, okay, let us come to your home. You have to, you know, do what you need to do virtually in work. Let us provide care to your loved one. Some families were like, okay, and some were like, eh, and that's okay. Yeah. And then for a group of people, we did virtual supports, people who were um, a little, and I hate the term high functioning, because then there's low functioning, and I think we're all functioning on different days in different right. places, really. I mean, today might be a low-functioning day for me. I don't know. We'll see how this podcast goes. <laughs> um, <laughs> you decide that later, Rich. I don't know. Um, the people who are more apt to use technology. So we do two shows a day, and, and they're high-energy um, you know, little clips. So we have one of our – we call it the, the Dawn and Ed show. And they these two staff were innovators. They created this show that truly could be on any television set anywhere. It has little clips. So they take tours of the world, and they do a book reading every day, and they do a cooking with Dawn, and it's all these little small segments which are perfect for attention spans for people with intellectual disabilities. Right. And the and our, our viewership keeps increasing, increasing, increasing. So that's exciting. Then we have one in the afternoon. With Trell. and hers is more focused on. Um, she's always done like a, gr- a woman's group, and so she has that that relationship building and really talks maybe more about those some of those heavier topics in addition to kind of the shorter clips. So it's, I'm so proud of the staff, and you know I could say oh the Harford Center did this and the Harford Center did that, but without the staff we have that that group that has heart like none other. I have never and I loved Catholic charities, yeah. but I have never met a group of people like those that work at the harford center oh, and it has nothing it. oh my lord they're just in the intuitively have the ability to connect and care for people and it's not about because you're a nonprofit. it's not about the money no. you're doing this for whatever your personal mission is your, your personal give back to the world and uh they're incredible i i'm
0: that's awesome. Now these two shows, where are these on YouTube or something?
1: Well, they're, so they're on zoom. A link goes out, oh, which okay. is on our website. Yeah. So it's on the, the, if you Google HarfordCenter.org, our website will come up and our links are posted there and people can tune into the, to the show. And uh, Rich, if you're ever bored at 10 or three Monday through Friday, uh, check them out. I think it would be so cool to see somebody, um, with headphones on and microphone, and you could be a star. I mean, you would you would be a star. So,
0: uh. well, actually, so when you're sitting there talking about that, I was sitting there thinking because one of the things that I would love to do, and I, I remember doing this, um, God, at John Archer School, we used mm. to, there they had a spring dance, and I would help DJ it. And one of the students who is actually an alumni would help me. And to do that, it was just, it was, it's rewarding. But to have some of the people on a podcast and just talk about, you know, what they've gotten out of the Harford Center or even about them, I think that would, number one, give more exposure to the Harford Center.
1: Absolutely,
0: and if people hear the stories about people that are going through it, I think that makes a big difference too.
1: I agree. I absolutely agree, and I think it also provides a level of education. Yes, you know, I had one of. I'll tell you, so I won't name who the funder was, but I have. We have the Harford Center has been very blessed with uh, a lot of funders, people who mm-hmm. are willing to give personal money, foundation money, et cetera, to the Harford Center. You know it's never enough. So I mean, if anyone out there, ha- you know, it's we're nonprofits, so we're we're always kind of filling that gap. Um, but this this woman walked through, and and st- I saw her in the hallway, and I went out. I said, "Are you okay?" And she was crying, and I said, "She's like, oh, I just feel so sad for people." And I said, "Well, I said let me let me try to reframe it just a minute, if if you if you don't mind, respectfully." And I said, "Every morning when I wake up or you wake up, we have to think about, oh gosh, did we pay the electric bill?" Do I have gas in my car to get to work? What am I going to wear? What am I going to make for dinner? Oh, gosh, you know, what was it that I had to do that that I forgot over the week? And all of these things. And that's generally in the first 10 seconds before you even put your feet on the floor in the morning. Right. Right? I mean, that's, that's my experience. Maybe, maybe I'm unique. Um, but the folks at the Hartford Center, a lot of that, that stuff, that noise isn't there. And they come to the Hartford Center and their days are just filled with joy. <laughs> Yeah, they're there, and we're there for them. Like, what do you want to do today? Do you want to go to the movies? Do you want to go bowling? What you know, you don't want to do anything, you just want to chill in your round, lounge chair today. All right, we'll put on some right. 70s music and we'll just dance the day away. Whatever, whatever brings joy to your heart. And this reframe for her, I said, you know, we have all this external pressure that doesn't necessarily exist. Yes, the physical stuff is there. Yes, the sometimes the struggle for, um, articulation is there or whatever the personal struggle is, but some of that external stuff that we struggle with isn't there. And how nice would it be for a day or two to shut that down? And we can't, we never. that yeah. will never happen. That will never happen. So it's, it's a perspective thing. And I said, please don't, don't spend time on pity. It's, it doesn't help anybody. It's not helping them just like you wouldn't want to be pitied. Mm-mm. People don't want pity instead. How about respect? mutual respect for different people's paths and different people's experience. And I think that's what people would learn is that people with disabilities, I, I think people either um, feel pity and avoid, or they feel some sense of fear and avoid, or whatever the discrimination or prejudice or, or whatever it is, but there's just so much kind of, I just can't deal with that. That's just, it makes people uncomfortable. And I think the more exposure more people will see similarities and, um, passion. And if we can achieve that, ah.
0: And the thing is, you know, people with disabilities, if you, something that a lot of people need to realize and they need to do, they need to look past the disability and look Mm -hmm. at the person themselves, because I've known a lot of people with Different disabilities. Uh, as a matter of fact, my cousin uh had Down syndrome, and to me, and I've said this before, previous podcast, the most beautiful smile I have ever seen is from somebody that has Down syndrome. It doesn't matter who it is, if they have Down syndrome, when they smile, it's just something about it. It, it reflects it. It, it just. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's hard to explain.
1: You but just you, you feel you feel kind of that, that joy and that just exuberance and yes. the ability to be in the moment.
0: Yes, but everybody I've met that has some type of disability, I've always talked to them and you know just look past the disability. And some of the most amazing people I have ever met. You know, one guy guy could play. The piano, like you would thought he was Liberace or something, the way he played, he, just awesome, but could not talk that well.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, mm-hmm. then again, I, I mean, I've seen, uh, oh God, other people that actually it was, <laughs> I'll never forget, uh, the one guy who had downs, and um, man, he embarrassed me because, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm getting jerked up here. Uh, this is back in the this oh, is when I, get I was it. I still get it. <laughs> this is when I was in the Marine Corps and I met this uh guy uh, actually at the gym. And uh, man, he made me and my buddy and my buddy always lift it for you know t- to get balked mm-hmm. up. I just did it for the cardio, but this guy with Down syndrome, you would have thought that he was. I, I can't even remember how much he bench pressed, but he made us look like we could even lift a dumbbell. I mean it's just amazing
1: It's just so humbling because you have this preset idea in your mind of people with disabilities yes and then to have, and to, have to be open to having that change, that's exciting you know oh. and if if we can provide opportunities for people to have those kinds of insights rich. It does expand your your world so much from what you thought. To yeah, and that's if we can do that, and if you're willing to to talk with some of the folks that participate at the Harford Center, I think they would. They all everyone has a story, and you know, I think yes. also everyone has a disability in some ways. Just some are, you know, people have you know mental illness and diabetes and high blood pressure and um, whatever whatever their challenge is some Mm -hmm. are just more visual than others yeah and but if we're honest with one another you know we all have those low functioning days we all have those things in our lives that are are hurdles for us that maybe just aren't as visible so i think that would be
0: extraordinary well let me ask you this because with the harford center volunteers well of course i know now with covid is kind of hard but let's say once we get past this and
1: absolutely everything gets
0: back to the new normal are you look do you guys look for volunteers
1: always 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 and we've been very lucky that we've had some partnerships harford mutual mm. has said oh a yes. group. um they're amazing absolutely yeah. and and their philosophy of giving back to the community is is just un, un, unparalleled um yeah we've also had freedom federal has come out Love and them. done i know there's this kind of great group harford county government sends a group every year uh in addition that we have people that have just so we had a a boy scout this year who needed to do a project and so he created a communication book couldn't come in during covid so he created a book where he cut pictures out and took them from a computer and created like a a picture book for people to communicate with that was huge because then someone could take that book out in the community and say, where do you want to go to dinner or lunch today? And they can open it. There's McDonald's, there's Burger King, there's, you know, Red Robin and just point. Great idea. Huge. We also have people during, you know, normal times come in and just help because when we're supporting people who are particularly people who are in wheelchairs, you can't have one staff support two people who are in wheelchairs because you you just can't safely assist people. Yeah. Two at a time. So we can always use help with people just so we can get into the community so that people have unique and individualized experiences. And as much as I say, we do one-on-one supports, there's also funding limitations. We can only provide the supports to the level of our funding. So the more volunteers we have, the more we're able to do more individualized, um, you know, community outings and not that a volunteer would take someone by themselves, but, you know, with another group, we could certainly have a better experience. Uh, so yes, absolutely. We're always looking for volunteers and they have to be 16 and up if they're not accompanied with a parent. And then under 16, 12 to 16, because you, you don't want kids in there who are um, potentially could get hurt. Right. Um, because we do have individuals who, have behavioral challenges. And again, I hate to say, oh, I have behavior because again, I have behaviors. You know, if my, if I don't have coffee by like 10 o'clock, I'm having a behavior. I truly am. I don't, so it's such an insulting term. So I don't mean it that way. But when I say that, I mean, we're talking people who can get uh, physical and we we have staff who are trained to see it coming. (laughs) And basically, because a lot of times, Behaviors communication all all the time, behaviors communication. So, our staff know one how to talk to somebody in a way that behaviors won't occur, and then if they do, how to keep it at a level that everyone stays safe because we're we don't certainly don't put any hands on anybody, we don't do any kind of um you know restraint. All of that is so in the past, and I, I think people have this idea of what supports look like to adults with disabilities, but. Don't have a, a good understanding present day how that looks now.
0: Yeah, um,
1: you see awful TV shows of things, and and that oh, and it does it does so much harm to to people who are trying to do so much good on so little funding. You know, we're doing our best to provide the best training for staff, um, and we you know, we do background checks and you know, state local drug screening, branding drug tests. We're doing everything we can to provide the highest quality of support to people. And it's important that people understand that it is high quality trained staff. Our staff are professionals.
0: That's Um, good. That's good. So uh, something you mentioned in there, community outings.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Um, Another weird term. I know. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, what kind of community outings do you, do you do? Because see, you're mentioning these things and I got the gears in my head rolling.
1: Okay. I love it. So I, it, again, you know, it's, it wouldn't say, Oh, my husband and I went on a community outing. It's such a, you know, <laughs> you know. so I would, I guess my, my smart response would be, well, where do you go? You know, what do you do for fun? So anything you do for fun is what our folks are doing. So they're going to the movies, they're going to the mall, they're uh, going to parks, having lunch, um, hanging with their friends. Uh, Mount Zion is another huge partner yeah. of ours we oh, have.
0: Love that place. And
1: St. Margaret's Church. I mean, we yeah. are so lucky. And I, and I always like to give these shout outs because there's other nonprofits that we build each other up in Harford County. Yeah. And yeah. that's the story. That's the story is this network of these nonprofits who are building each other up. You know, nonprofits, that's, that's when they work
0: together, just makes Ooh. a bigger difference.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So whatever, you know, we're folks are working. So we have you know people who are working all over Harford County um, doing what they need to do to, to earn a living and, and get a paycheck. In addition to people who are doing recreational and volunteer work. So you name it in Harford County and we've probably been there. You know, we do the miniature golfing. We do you know the, the typical fun things, but things take funding. I can't go yeah. out every day and do something fun. So some of the things we're doing are. Um, social learning activities. So people are going, okay, let's say we want to build a bench. What would we need? How much money is it going to take? Let's go to Home Depot and price out those things. So it's it's also learning activities. It's not just, let's go and hang out at the mall for four hours and walk around. Let's let's think about a a healthy meal. This is our budget. Let's clip some coupons and then let's learn those skills. We also have domestic, we have a domestic kitchen, which is another strange term, but so we, we die now. I know, and I, even as I say these things, I'm just like, ugh, be um, but we, so we learned, you know, cooking, and um, the Harford Center always smells amazing. You know, everyone's always making something and bringing it around, so um, it's, it's. and I say this to anyone, if you're having a bad day, Rich, come to the Harford Center, because you will leave with a smile on your face. You really will. It's, it, it sounds it's, like I'll
0: also leave with a full belly.
1: You could. Absolutely. Yeah. We do make some of the best food there. Yeah. And we used to do lunches. Like it was so interesting when I first started at the Harvard center, we've changed so much over the last seven years. It was very um, center-based where people were, were at the center. And that was really kind of where the industry was Right. and had to evolve because it, people deserve better than, than, four sets of walls. They really yeah. do. So we were providing lunch and um, kind of like a more of a, uh, a school-based setting. And we're that's not who we are anymore. Yeah. yeah. So people bring their own lunch like you would to work. They have activities that they pick at the beginning of the week. Sometimes it changes depending on weather, depending on, you know, different circumstances. And then they have goals that they want to accomplish. And it is the staff's job to work with them in partnership to help accomplish those goals. So it's exciting. And we're heading into our 60th year at the Hartford Center. So this is our 60th year.
0: I was going to ask you how long has this Hartford Center been? 60 years? 60 years.
1: So this is a huge, this is our diamond anniversary year. So we have a lot of big stuff planned this year. So you're like, your timing is amazing for us. Yeah, 60 years.
0: Holy cow.
1: So Harford Center actually started um, in a living room of, and I you know, of a I have this written down, it's Dr. and Mrs. Gerald Butler. And I looked them up. If anyone knows Dr. and Mrs. Gerald Butler in Harford County in Bel-Air, please look me up, Sherry Nolte, Harford Center, because I am dying to find some of the legacy founders of the Harford Center mm. to interview. So Rich, if you have any connections, and they started it, in their living room. So it was basically a bunch of families that had adult children with disabilities and children with disabilities. Right. And this couple provided supports during the day. Wow. And then it grew. So in 1978, um, they they stopped supporting children because children then went to schools. Right. And that's kind of, I, and this is a guess. I don't know when John Archer was created, but basically the Harford Center was an extension of John Archer that a lot of folks oh. who come out of John Archer will go to the Harford Center because we're equipped to deal with people at that high end of support. Okay, And that's that has been a tradition that we haven't walked away from. And one of the things that when I started the Harford Center, I met with the board and the staff and said, what's important? Because anytime a new exec comes in, you're like, oh, she's going to change everything. And I, I didn't want to do that. Right. I wanted to keep the good and help move us forward. And one thing they said that was so important to them is that the Hartford Center continued to take those people that no one else would. And, now, and, that, and it's heartbreaking <sighs> because there, it's it's a challenging population and hard to get in the community because... Like I said, you have, if someone's in a wheelchair, they really do need one staff to support them, and not, the funding isn't always there. So we fundraise for that gap. Yeah, that's my goal, and that's primarily what I do is I, I raise money.
0: <laughs> the, does it seem to you that the population for people with disabilities is growing?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. And I have have a a funny
1: feeling waiting list for certain types of folks, and that's that's the hardest thing is when you have to turn somebody down because we can't, we don't have the bandwidth to take care of everybody well.
0: Man, you see, and I have have a funny feeling that, um, and it's sad, but I, I think for years to come. It's just going to increase, especially with the opioid addiction problem and all that. And, you know, there's a lot of babies that are being born or that are going to have the disabilities. And it's sad.
1: Well, I told so, you in my beginning of my career, I worked in foster care. And in yeah. addition to the uh, detention diversion, we had our, um, called the HOPE program, the Medically Fragile Program. And kids that came in addicted, oh, it's just, and they grow up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's.
1: And they grow up. And I've had some of those foster parents when I started my career. I was, you know, young and um, bright eyed and bushy tailed, so to speak. But I, a lot of those foster parents have kept in touch with me over the years. And to see. Oh,
0: that's great. Those,
1: oh, my God. I know. It's just, I, I've had such an amazing journey and been so blessed to have so many incredible parents, foster parents, and. Um, you know, parents of, of adult children with disabilities who, who've allowed me, who shared their stories with me so that I could grow um, in helping them. Yeah. They're going to get me choked up. Good Lord. Let's <laughs> go sit here and blubber.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I, I wanted to ask you that because, and I ri- originally was just going to ask you about with the Harford Center, but let's go over your ca- career. <laughs> um, what, is the most rewarding thing or story that you could share of everybody from your career?
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Sorry. I'm going to get you choked up again, aren't I?
1: You really are. Um, (laughs) And I yeah, people who know me know that that just, I, I, I love my job. I Mm -hmm. love working at the Harford center. So let me do, let me do one for the Harford center. Okay. And I'm not going to use names because, um, but I hope this person, I'm going to, Point her toward this podcast so she can hear it. So when I got to the Hartford Center, an individual came in my office and um, I interviewed all the staff when I got there and I, and I interviewed, you know, it said, you know, what don't you want me to change? What do you want me to change? What's important to you about your job, et cetera. And then I, any individual, I in, interviewed every individual that, that would talk to me. Mm-hmm. And she said, I hated here, hated here.
0: What? This is one of the, the staff or somebody that was going there? Courts. Oh,
1: Someone wow. we supported. Yeah, she okay. hated it there. And uh, this is when I first started, so it was probably my first month. And I wow. uh, sort of "I'm bored. I don't get to do what I want to do." And and this isn't a dig on the Harford Center before I got there because you know the, the industry has changed yeah. so so much, and funding had changed, and and just so many things. And this individual was one of those that was she was very high functioning. And I think she just got lost. I think her needs just got lost because when people are, you know, it's kind of like that for that employee who does really well and you just keep pushing more and more on them and kind of, and meanwhile, their morale and their, their just kind of goes down. But, and she just says, I'm just so bored and I don't want to be here anymore. And, oh, it's just heartbreaking to me. And so we actually created a second program up at Highland that was for people who wanted to work or volunteer. And she was one of the the pilots, one of my first 10 that we asked to move to the new program. And she is so doing so well that she is now a board member for us. One of our board members. I know, I know. Yeah. So, and. Wow. Has influence on the agency. It's just, and it, it, and so we, we because the staff were able to hear her finally because she was able to be given a voice and it wasn't anything I did it was just a culture shift we just had to shift the culture right and you know once people start talking people start listening hopefully yes and I think for at the Hartford Center that has been my most rewarding experience and I over the course of my career you know I've been very lucky to have you know see some some old kids that I supported in foster care and uh, and program development. Anytime, you know, that you're able to create a program that changes things for the better for people. And, you know, I, I look at the Harford Center and we're, we started as a center-based site and now we're virtually 100% community-based. So every single day, not COVID, people were given an opportunity to, to, to be out in the community. Their choice, whether they want to, but every single day we gave 100% of the people an opportunity and. Ah, that that's awesome. You know, I'm just in the staff and their, their faith in the mission and the changes. I mean, it, it's like someone came in into place and I just shook everything up and, and they were so adaptive um, and just had faith that this was the right thing. And the board, the board of directors of the Harford center are phenomenal. They're just phenomenal and have really just given me support and enough um, wide berth to kind of do some of these things. And particularly during COVID, they have been such a blessing and such a support in such a difficult and challenging and scary time, Yeah, in in very scary time.
0: And, And actually with COVID and the people that you support, because I mean, COVID has scared everybody. So how's that affecting the people that you guys support?
1: So people with disabilities are dying at a disproportionate rate of COVID. And we've lost we've lost some people this year. Oh, that's um, good. God. Yeah, because unfortunately, you know, Rich, if heaven forbid you get sick and you have to go get oxygen, an oxygen mask, yeah. you know, your wife can say, Rich, it's for your best interest. Keep the mask on. But imagine, you know, someone with autism where textiles and things that, feel uh-huh. weird can't tolerate so instead of a mask you get intubated and once uh-huh. intubated it just your, your your chances just go down and you know also with nonverbal cues I mean verbally you can say I don't feel wrong I don't feel right something's wrong right and so there's a lot of disadvantages that people are struggling with with disabilities and communication that you and I would have the advantage of um, in medical care uh so people are dying at a disproportionate rate and and here's where i'm going to get on my soapbox and um hopefully i don't put my foot in my mouth but here's here's my here's the social worker coming out of me so you can cut this part out of the podcast if you'd like but getting this vaccine into people's arms is critical and the people we support are 1b they can't get the vaccine yet now, people who live in residential were able to schedule clinics, but people who live in their families who go to dayhabs haven't been able to get this vaccine. So I've been to anyone who will listen to me, pleading and begging, please get help. The Harford Center will be a you know will be a site. Whatever I can do to facilitate it, you know, we've gotten the word out to families to sign up. Sign up, and I know so many people are waiting. I know that people are waiting for the vaccine, and I don't want to say that anyone is more important than anyone else, but I think we all have our little niche of of passion and this is where my, if anyone is out there listening, just to help me to help get those families, loved ones, their vaccine, who want it. Not everyone wants it. And that's, that's choice. You know, people have a choice in that and that's fine, but if you want it and you're at a higher risk to die, get it, it, please. So, um, yeah. And that's that social worker. We're, we're fierce advocates. I think that's just kind of how we're wired. Um,
0: well, and the well, thing is, it, it's people don't realize. Uh, too many people out there think it's a hoax. Um, to it, seriously, I mean, that's it, people. Too many people don't believe a lot of it. And here's the way I look at it: You, know, how many of you get the flu vaccine, pneumonia vaccine, shingles? Okay, mm-hmm. COVID is a real thing, and I've known people that didn't believe it was a real thing, and then they got it, and yes. they now believe it is a real thing if if the vaccine and i know a lot of people were nervous because it's a vaccine that came out really quick it's it's this is the quickest vaccine that's ever come out Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people got nervous when they hear that it's a one-time thing but now the latest thing in the news is it may not be this may be something that they recommend that you get every year Heard, and I, he heard I would of, think if that's the case, that would put more people at ease because it's like the flu vaccine. You get get different strains every year.
1: And they'll, they'll change it, different iterations. Yeah. And The thing I think people don't realize, and I did a lot of research, I also had a subject matter expert talk to my staff um, to do a Q&A because I'm trying to educate people. My, my feeling is if you want it, get it. Right. If you don't know, get information. Yes. Don't listen to Twitter and TikTok and all the other
0: stuff uh. out there.
1: But the interesting thing is when they test vaccines, most vaccines had a study group of about 4,000 people. Most, your your long-term 10-year vaccines, this had 40,000 people. Mm -hmm. So the the study groups were larger. Yes, the time was condensed, but we didn't have a choice in the time. I was blessed because I'm a 1A as a licensed social worker. I was able to get mine. So I just had my second one. wednesday
0: okay uh,
1: yeah so and it was you know i had some side effects i mean uh it, thursday night was was not the best night of my life but you know what it wasn't the worst night of my
0: life either people can because, get side effects from taking Motrin. oh
1: my goodness so you know my i kept saying to myself my body is building these little covid soldiers and it is gonna you know and it was working hard and a day or two later i was back to to, to normal and uh feeling very lucky that I was able to get it. And I certainly am going to do it because I'm, I want to protect. My mom is, is 80 years old and being at the Harford center. I want to make sure that I'm protecting everyone around me. And I want to model for staff that I, you know, and for individuals and for anyone who's questioning, is it safe? Well, and then my, my son is a nurse. So he, he had, he's had it. So uh, again, you're just trying to do the best you can.
0: And I think the, the worst side effect I've heard of it. And I had, the health department on talking about this two of the people that actually got the vaccine that worked there. They said, uh, they, they're the only two that I think that had side effects. And they said, it felt like they got COVID again. Cause they had COVID before mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they said it felt like they got COVID again, but the symptoms weren't as bad. Okay. And now they're,
1: yeah, they're I mean, yeah. My night was rough. It was a rough night, but
0: Okay. It's going to, it's, it's, and everybody's different. I mean, I've, I've talked to people that had the flu vaccine and they're complaining that their arm hurts for a week and they couldn't sleep, you know? Um, But it's, I mean, look at all the, and here's what gets me on this. And I know we're, we're shying away from the Harvard center for a minute, but here's the thing that gets me about this. Okay. So you have some of these people out there that say they don't want to take the vaccine. But if they have a sore back or a toothache or whatever, oh, man, I need some oxycodone coating or something like that. Really? I
1: mean, oh, and the side effects, the long-term effects of those things are just life-altering, I mean, it, life-altering. So,
0: gets me. I, I don't understand. And here's the other thing that gets me. God damn! See now you got me all riled up.
1: We went down the rabbit hole.
0: But you know, people that complain about you know, this, um, the COVID, they 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 want to stay safe, and they uh, uh, at both ends. Even the ones that say that they don't believe it, because you know. it, it but they'll, they'll sit around, they'll turn around, they'll smoke five packs of cigarettes a day. <laughs> they'll go flying down 80 miles an hour in a 30 mile per hour speeds. I mean, come on people. It's just, uh, okay. I'm sorry. I
1: think, I think a lot of it, you know, and I,
0: I, I got stepped down. And I do. I heart. absolutely
1: hear you. And I, I think I spent the first four months of this virus feeling just that anger, so much anger. And I've tried really hard to understand where people, and I think it's fear. I think people are just genuinely, they're afraid of whatever, you know? And it's for myself and my family, we were incredibly cautious. We stayed at home, we wear a mask, we didn't see family, we didn't celebrate the holidays. We did all the things. And for other people, losing those connections was intolerable. And I've tried to understand their perspective as well. Um, and that's why when I say the vaccine is people's choice, that's fine. Make a choice, but make an educated choice. You can't make a choice based on the crap that's out there. And there's so much false information out there that go to the websites where people don't have an agenda. Yes,
0: yeah, social media is not a good news source or a research source. <laughs> no,
1: it's not. And I think you and I, and I think that's why you go to the subject matter experts yes. like the health department. You know, like like you're bringing that great information out to Hartford County, like, you know, what, whatever the websites are that are medically based. Look at the research. When you find out that it was actually 40,000 people, it's larger than any you know, test study group for any other vaccine. I don't know if it's any other because I, I haven't, you know, I've compared every vaccine, but it, it does provide a sense of calm to say, oh, I didn't realize that. And that's really been my goal with the Hartford Center staff is to say, you have a choice just like our individuals choice is huge. It's part of one of our pillars at the Harford center is choice. Yeah. And I want to make sure that we have the same uh, respect and values for our staff. You have a choice, but just like the individuals that we support at the Harford center, we want you to have a choice, but we want you to have an informed choice an educated
0: choice. Yeah. That's important. So that's,
1: that's my, that's where I've landed.
0: Very important. Now, uh, let me, I stepped down off my soapbox here. No,
1: yeah, I know. I, I you came up there with me. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. No, no, that no, that's okay. Because I think more people need to hear about that. You know. Um, now I'm going to put you on the spot here, uh, and, and this this may be hard because of COVID, but five years, mm-hmm. where would you like to see the Harford Center?
1: Oh, that's a great question. So, in five years, I want the Harford Center to be accredited as a nonprofit. My goal was we were in the process of doing that prior to COVID starting. Mm -hmm. So um, that I definitely see that we'll be able to do. I would like to see us be able to be pretty much out of the building altogether, where we're going right from people's homes, right into the community. So that the center really is more of um, a place that people choose versus a place that people start there. Because once people get to the center, it's a little harder to get them out. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of yeah. like oh well, I just put my, I just put my comfy pants on and you, know, once you get home from work, you don't feel like going back out. Um, so that's one goal. I want us to have the ability to um, create funding to meet that gap truly. Yeah. so that funding is not a variable in programming. that we are programming to the needs of the individual and not based on limited resources. So diversifying our funding, is critical. It is really critical, particularly, and you see in the time of COVID where funding that we've always had, we didn't have, we don't have because unless we're providing services, we don't receive funding. So we've had to go for funding that we've never had to. So COVID has been a blessing for us because it's forced us to take a risk on other funding sources. So that's.
0: Yeah. And I think that um, that's happened to a lot of people, even businesses, people had to think outside the box.
1: And, I feel grateful for that experience. So, in five years, um, I'd like to see the Harford Center people. When I say, Oh, I work at the Harford Center. Oh, the Harford Center. You work. Oh, that's, I've heard that's a great place for supports and a great place to work. I wanted to be, and I always said, you know, when someone puts their loved one in John Archer, a kindergarten, that they, know of the Hartford Center at that point. And it's a choice versus the only place that will take their loved one. No parent should ever feel that they don't have an option, the best option for their loved one. And I I want the Hartford Center to feel that way for families. That's what I want. And families are such an important part of the Hartford Center. And that's what makes us so unique is we partner with our families. We do a a monthly um, support group for families free of charge because we just want it's it, it's and it's something I've always received joy from. I've always been a part of. Um, our families are are so amazing, and they're. It's hard. It's really hard for for families that are providing care for their loved ones, or families who have loved ones who are in residential care. It is tough. It is it is a long road of of advocacy and fighting for their for their kids, adult kids, to get the best supports that are out there with very little funding, yeah. and. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just want the Hartford Center to be a place where they can take a deep breath and say, okay, at least I know that during these times, you know, my adult child is is in good hands. That's what I want. So, hopefully we're we're, we're close to getting there, but uh
0: Well, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that people know what the Hartford Center is. So, uh go ahead and tell everybody how they can get in touch with you and also the website.
1: Absolutely. If I could do two quick plugs, if it's okay, we have a golf tournament coming up. No,
0: No, of course you can't go ahead.
1: (laughs) I already got it out. So we have a golf tournament coming up to raise money for our 60th year. Uh, It is May 10th at mountain branch. And then we also have our annual ghoul and oyster roast, not a bull and oyster. It's a ghoul and oyster. So it's an adult costume party. It is so much fun, Rich. And then we have the classics come which is a local band. Oh, yes.
0: Yes. K- yes, yes. yes, yes, yes.
1: And uh, it's an adult costume party. And this year is going to be a gala extravaganza because it's our 60th year. So we're really excited. And that is on October 23rd. You can find information about how to donate, how to get tickets for these events at, and you just put in harfordcenter.org. And it will come up with our website and all the information and how to reach me. I'm at Sherry S N O L T E at harford center.org. Um, 410-939-1420. I welcome people to call, ask questions, volunteer, call me personally. Um, I just, I am so thankful for this time today, Rich.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. And I'll make sure I have the links in the show notes, uh, so everybody can get here to the website as well anything to add before we wrap it up
1: no i just i, I thank you i thank harford county also just want to say a huge thank you to harford county government harford yeah. county government has been a huge partner of the harford center since since its inception is a member of the harford county board provides us um building space in addition to funding and uh, just incredible support really just harford county has done an amazing job supporting people with disabilities. And I don't know that people know that. And I think that that's an important thing just to, to put out there that we we are very lucky living here in Hartford County with yes. the support that we receive. We really are.
0: Well, Sherry, I want to say thank you. And thank you for everything that not that you're just doing with the Hartford center, but what you've been doing throughout your career, because it's apparent you have, Helped a lot of people and you've reached a lot of people's hearts and that's okay. very important. So I want to thank you for that. And anytime you want to come back on, just let me know you have an open invitation. Um And anytime you want to bring anybody on with you, let yeah. me know as well, because it is, fun. it is. And, and <laughs> I have, that's the reason I do it is because it's not just to let the people of Hartford County, know about everything that's going on here but throughout the world yeah because you never know i got listeners in england california italy and all that you never know if those people would move here and if they do guess what now they know more about harford county so (laughs) thank you so much
1: thank you rich so much
0: if you have an idea or something or someone you would like to hear on the podcast let me know. Send me an email at podcast at com. Again, that's podcast at living.com. And also, please leave a review. All you need to do is go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash hardco living. Again, lovethepodcast.com forward slash Hardcore Living, please leave a review. It helps me determine what type of guests to get on and subjects to talk about as well. And not only that, if you leave a review, I tend to give away prizes a lot, gift cards. You know, my sponsors provide me with things that allow me to do that. So, you know, you're automatically entered once you leave a review. Even years down the road, if you left one today, If you left one last year, you're still eligible to, of course, win the prize. And also, if you don't mind, please follow our Facebook pages at Harford County Living with Rich Bennett, which is facebook.com forward slash HCL show and Harford County Living as well, which is facebook.com forward slash Harford County Living. And of course, if you can, please support the show. Just go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Harco Living, and every little donation helps me to keep this going. So, again, that's buymeacoffee.com forward slash Harco Living.